Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me today. Um, I, I have a, an abductee, contactee, whatever, um, and his name is Sandy Nichols. He's the founder of the Alien Research Group, ARG, in Thompson Station, Tennessee. He started the Alien Research Group in 1998 to try and find answers to his abduction experiences that become when he was five years of age and to help others find their answers. Through the years, Sandy has expanded his research and investigations into various other areas based on other types of experience he's had that includes ghosts, Bigfoot, Native American spirit beings, and out-of-body experiences to a parallel Earth. For the last three years, he has been doing extensive DNA research based on the results of seven different DNA tests he has taken. Three of the DNA tests indicate that he has three specific mutated genes. Wow, that's amazing. For three years, Sandy has also been engaged in excavating his own unknown Indian ceremonial site that was buried four feet deep on his property with evidence found on the site that is Aztec Indian in origin, which means, you know, we were just talking before the show, and it's, it's weird that Aztecs, were, we didn't think Aztecs traveled that far, but they were in Tennessee. He has been featured in a variety of media formats, including the Steven Spielberg special Abduction Diaries, which aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. And I want to welcome to the show, a big welcome to Sandy Nichols. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing a, a great, Robert, and I appreciate the invite uh, onto your show. It's a very big honor for me. Now, I, I, guess, I, I guess to start off, is how you got into the paranormal world because I, I want to, before I, I want to ask you about ghosts, Bigfoot, Native American spirit beings, and out-of-body experiences, but I guess we should start, because I'm, I'm into out-of-body experiences, too. Like, I, I'm, I, I try to practice going out-of-body. I haven't been able to get out-of-body, I've been able to get out-of-body, like, close to three times, and two times I encountered shadow beings, so I backed away from it, but then um, one time I actually popped out of my body for, like, a second, and then I you know, I went right back in, but, um, but did your out of body experiences come with the abduction experiences or how did that work? Or did the abduction experiences come first? Well, the, the, the first thing that I remember consciously is around five years of age over at my grandparents' house, um, uh, my grandmother's house who, who lived there with her sister and her sister's husband. So it'd be my great aunt and great uncle and, and East Nashville. And, and I had my first conscious experience that I can remember going back to the age of five over at their house. Now I've had these experiences, but I just kept having them. I would tell my parents about them. I would tell my, my brothers about them. And of course, everybody thought I was a, you know, just a five-year-old, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old just saying this stuff and making up stories and stuff like that. And, you know, because they didn't believe it or anything like that. And so um, uh, they sent me in fourth grade. I was talking about, I was talking about little strange looking kids with bald heads coming in to see me and all this other stuff. And, uh, and about tall people you know and as a kid I enjoyed this because I was playing with these really strange looking toys that has actually has uh that similar to what we have now in our technology and um 
Uh, but this was back, you know, I'm 70 years old. So this was, this, you know, this was 65 years ago on that first experience. And um, so, but they didn't believe me and they sent me to a psychiatrist. What uh, kind of beings were you seeing? Were, were you seeing small grays and tall grays or what was that what you would say? Yeah, the small grays would usually come and get me. And, uh, and mainly this would be at night while, while I was sleeping. They'd wake me up and they'd come and get me. This first experience, though, happened actually in, in the morning hours, uh, uh, about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And then I was pretending to play Army over at my grandmother's house. And they had a raised back uh, deck porch type thing overlooking their backyard small yard and on the back side of the yard was this wire fence and a and a um uh, undeveloped neighborhood back then yeah they had the roads in and the grass was real tall and 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 i'm and and i'm playing soldier i had one army my army going against the bad guys <laughs> and then all of a sudden i saw this round what i called a round airplane coming down and and landing in this uh vacant neighborhood wow now it back was a UFO, right yeah well it turned out to be a ufo and 65 years ago it's not near as as crowded as what it is now and and, and so you had big areas but and and i'm wondering who this you know I'd never seen an airplane shape like that before. And this, and I thought, you know, kind of realities kind of went into my fantasy thing. And because I'm thinking, well, this is the enemy airplane and I wasn't expecting that airplane to come and attack that. So, you know, my, my army, my imaginary army. And so I went down to check. I wasn't scared. I went down to check. Next thing I know, here's, two small grades and they come through this old wire fence. They come, they, they just move right through it. They didn't go over it, under it. They came right through it and said, uh, and, and came over to me in the backyard and, uh, and they wanted me to go with them. And I'm going, I can't go with you. If I go with you, I can't go out of my yard. I had strict instructions not to go out of my yard, you know, out of my uh, grandmother's yard. And, but it was like, oh, it's all right. You can go with us. So they took me and they floated and they started floating me. This is my first conscious recollection of floating too, floating me with them on each arm and going right. And I went right through that fence too. I mean, I mean, I'm going through the wires wow, and, and everything. And then through this tall grass and weeds and stuff. And this thing had landed on like at a, like at a, what would be an intersection within the neighborhood. But if you're at ground level, you couldn't see this thing because of uh, tall grass, but this landed like in the middle of a paved road intersection in the neighborhood. And I went on the ship and, and I don't know how I got on the ship, but I went on the ship and, 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 and they're walking with me. And then next thing I know, I'm walking by myself and here comes, and I come up to this it's kind of weird, but the, the it's like a round hallway and the lights and, and the lights are only on me when I'm in a certain part of the hallway. If I, so as I walk, 
it's dark, dark in front of me and back of me, but where I am, it's light. But as I move forward, it's light and, you know, off and on like that. And then I get to this door and there's a couple of things that, that, that I noticed right away that first of all, the little short grays are not around me anymore, or as I call them, the strange looking kids. And I'm standing in front of a door. Now, where I'm standing in front of the door, it is very bright white light. And, and I can see everything around me in this certain area, bright white. But in this doorway, I call it a doorway, was, 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 and it didn't have a door per se, but had a doorway. And there was a room there, and it was dimly lit. But the light from the hallway was not filtering in to the, through the open door into this dimly lit room, which was really weird because it's like the light stopped at the doorway. And then I went in and there was three, three, um, there was a bunch of kids in there and, and it just like, I instinctively knew what to do. Yeah. Without any, see anybody. Cause all I saw was young kids, you know, my age and maybe up to about 10, maybe 12. And I went over to this table and here was three little, ob here's three objects. And I, and I, and, and I hadn't seen them before, but I instinctively knew what to do with them. And, um, well, one, one, uh, and, and now, now remember this, this is like, I was, this is like, I'm 1956. Yeah. And one was this thing that looks like one of the new, when it came out, the new fiber optic toy where it had a little plastic handle, you stuck two little double A batteries in there, and then the ends of the plastic strips would light up and you could shake it. Well, this one is sim very similar. Uh, but when you shook it in the air like this in front of you, then it would leave light in the air. Oh, wow. Instead of just on the tips, it was like writing on the air. And then, and then, it, it, so you get over here and then all of a sudden the lights would, would be here and then they would gradually go out. They would kind of start fading out and you do it again, there's lights again. That was one. The other one, it, it, it was something from the, from this space program. And when they were shooting off those rockets back then, and uh, and it was like a gyroscope. Wow. And and there was a and 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 uh in this gyroscope thing, it was a um it, it was it's kind of hard to describe, but it, it, there was a toy back then uh that that was wire and it was shaped like an S, and you had this little wheel in the middle of it. And it had two little points on the end and they were magnetized. So they were on the thing. So you could do it like this, you know, move, move it up and that little wheel would spin and go around and then you stop it and it keeps spinning. sort of like a gyroscope. And then the next thing, uh, and, and so you just do like this. And so it's, and so the next thing was a ball. It looked like a ball of a bigger than a soft bigger than a hard, uh, hardball, but smaller than a softball, about halfway in between. And, and you could take this ball, I could 
pick this ball up in my hand and throw it as hard as I could against uh, towards the wall or anything. And before it hit the wall, it would stop and come right back to my hand. Wow. It's like a, it's like a yo-yo without a string. <laughs> now, yeah. And now I will tell you this, when I was uh, on this gyroscope thing, you could take out, you could take out the little wheel and this device on the ship and you could fly it around the room and, but you didn't have any controls. You just thought about it and, and, and it would, and you take the gyroscope thing out and put it in your hand and you just think about flying it and it would start, it would stand up on its own and start spinning and you could fly it around the room. And I was flying it around the room and thought it was really cool. And, you know, as a, as a five-year-old, I'm, I start buzzing people. I start, yeah, start, you know, thinking this thing flying around the room and going after certain people, but not hitting them. And, and that lasted about probably a minute when all of a sudden a tall gray was beside me and boy, he got mad at me and said, this is not a toy. This is a learning device. Wow. And, and that's all it took for me to, to quit buzzing people with this thing. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I, I'm out on the front porch. I mean, the front sidewalk that led from the front steps to the street. And, you know, small yard, small house. Well, let me and, ask you uh, this. Did, did you think they were, their their intentions were, like, all these years, do you think their intentions are good? Because you hear a lot of good, you got to, you hear, we hear a lot of things, like, I don't know if you follow as much, you know, UFO media as me, but I interview a lot of people, you know, and a lot, some people come on my show and say they're demons, and some people say they're they're trying to get our souls and I hear everything, you know what I mean? I hear the whole gamut. Like you as an abductee, what do you think? Do you think they're positive or negative or, or do you not know? Well, I went into years and years of denial uh, because, you know, starting about fourth grade or so, because I was being told that it was all my imagination. My parents sent me to a psychiatrist and, um, and and I got held back in fourth grade and all this. And my mom always treated me as a um, as like a, a not the black sheep of the family, but needed extra help. Yeah. And and stuff. And so I went in denial. But then it was it was back in the 90s, the mid 90s that I mean, it was I mean, I woke up on a New Year's morning. Um 1995 and it was like the it was like something was bothering me something was on my mind couldn't figure out what it was and then I went to a bookstore uh three days later and the day kind of matched the 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 mood I was you know the feeling I was feeling you know dark and gloomy and stuff and from that point on that's when it was like okay, something's not right with me. Because even though I was denying it and went in denial, it didn't stop anything. They still came and got me. I just didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. And, um, but at first, I thought, at first I was, I, I went through these phases. 
at first I thought it was, it was, um, they were, uh, I was crazy. And then I went through and then, and then I, that, that led me to this psychologist lady, a very well-known psychologist lady and, um, uh, and going through regressive hypnosis. Now she was, did not know about any of this. She had heard about it, but she didn't think it was real until she met me. And it was like, you've got PTSD from something that happened in your life. And she was trying to take me down the road and lead me to where it would be, you know, it'd be my great, great uncle molested me or some, or somebody beat me or, but I would never go there. I'd go to these big, you know, these skinny beings with big heads and weird eyes and be scared to death. And she said, I would never go down the status quo road of what constitutes PTSD or trauma or something like that. And at this time, I was really, you know, not knowing anything and, and just coming out, you know, being out of denial and doing this and trying to find answers. I thought all of these guys were bad. I thought every ET out there, no matter where it was, was bad. And then as time went on and I got to meet people, there's a difference between abductees and contactees. Abduct contactees are those who seem to have very good experiences to where they're being shown things. So you can basically equate them to like the good ETs. And but the then you got the, the abductees, right? Like the people who are getting like tortured or like they feel like yeah. they're being tortured or something or tormented, right? Yeah, it's like it's like they're being shown things and they and they get this good feeling with where me. I, I'm not shown good things. They come and get me. They do their whatever they're going to do to me. And then they bring me back and that's it. And I don't see them until they come back again. And they, and, and, and so I, the ones that mess with me mainly are the short grays and the tall grays. And the short grays seem like more robotic where they come and get you. And then you're around the, the, the tall grays. <coughs> and then uh, with the tall grays, I've, you know, I've been on a ship, I've seen the praying mantis types, but the praying mantis hadn't done anything, but, you know, guilt by association because they're there with them when they came and got me. And, and then, uh, but, and, but the ones that, that I'm having, have most of the trouble with and the most issues with are the one, are the reptilians. There's a the reptilians are real then or they're, they're oh yeah 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 this is yeah uh, at least they are to me I mean it, no it, they, 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 they I, I hear different things I, I had I had a girl on my show she was breaking down all the different characteristics of reptilians so I believe it I believe it you know I, I'd like to hear more about them like what are they doing what do they do like what do you think their 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 their, their goal is like you know like what well, here, here's what they are. They look like lizards standing up. And, and, and I've seen, I've never seen, I've only, I, I'll take that back. I've only seen one gray, and that was a tall gray female wearing clothes, okay? And that was like a long white type of straight gown type of deal. 
all the rest of the grays I've ever seen, male, female, or, th or, or, or small or tall, I've, I can't remember them wearing any clothes, just this one female on this one particular experience. On the grays, they seem to wear a breastplate and, and they seem to have some type of pants on. Now you got to understand the size of these things. This is these these things are so big that I come up to the bottom, my top, I'm six feet tall, five eleven, six feet. The top of my head comes up to the bottom of their chest. The reptilians. The reptilians, the ones that come for me. Yeah. And they are, they are like two and a half times wider than I am. Wow. Very muscular and stuff. And, and I never hear them speak. You know, a lot of people says, well, I've got this, uh, this gray comes and talks to me all the time and blah, blah, blah. And his name is Ugla, say, for example. Well, I'm not on a first name basis with these beings because mm -hmm. they go against my free will to decide whether I want to be part of what their agenda is. And, but here, there's some, I'm writing a new book and yeah. this new, this new book is going to be, it's going to generate a lot of, a lot of publicity because I'm starting it off like this. Cause one thing that I fought with at the beginning was that I was always trying to come up and convince someone about the reality of my experiences. There's nothing wrong with being skeptical because, I mean, I mean, because you got to look at everything, not just, but when you don't look at everything and, and, but the debunkers are the ones I'm really going after, yeah. but, I'm saying, but I'm saying to them in my new book, I'm going to say it. Okay. For years, I've been trying to prove to you about my experiences are real, but you won't look at anything. So now from now on, at least for me, you're going to have to prove to me that my experiences are not real. You know, uh, uh, who was it? Carl Sagan said, came up and said, to, to prove, ex, you know, extraordinary experiences, you got to have extraordinary proof. And somebody sent me an email one day years ago and said, you know, what kind of proof do you have? And I says, well, it's in my writings, it's in my scratches and, you know, uh, marks I find on my body, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, no, I want proof. And I said, well, if you don't believe this, you aren't going to believe anything I tell you. And so, yeah. um, so that's somebody who doesn't even, you know, is, is in total, not skeptical, but more debunking. Like, I don't believe that stuff, but I don't care what you say. You're never going to convince me. Skeptics are different because skeptics are, are just people who, who don't believe it to begin with, but they're willing to look at the truth. They're willing to, to come up and, and talk to people. And, you know, and you go with the name of your, you know, your, your show here is that, I mean, you've already said that you're willing to, you know, that you're very interested in this stuff. These yeah, other I just call myself typical skeptic because I'm skeptical about things, but I'm really open-minded. I'm more of a believer than anything. Yeah, see, that's all I want people to be is just open-minded and, and you then use your free will to decide, but don't dismiss it without with some kind of 
a flimsy excuse. Like, for example, I was watching this program one time, scientific type of program, and it says, and they came up and, and, and they focused on this guy who was doing experiments with earth lights. And, and he had the machines that would crush the, the, the rocks and different types of rocks, and they would create a light. And they will, you know, under pressure, certain types of rocks will create lights. And he said, oh, well, these are earth lights. So, and these earth lights are mainly found on fault lines or found on fault lines. And, I'm th and so this is what these people are seeing when they see a UFO, they're only seeing these, these earth lights uh, from rocks being crushed underground and it's coming up and blah, blah, blah. And, and, it's, and, and so all these, all these sightings uh, are, are taking place near fault lines and going, no, that, that's, that's BS. That is big time BS. Yeah, and I'm going, okay, if it's only from fault lines, then why are they seeing them over here where there's no fault line at all? And, yeah. and so there's 60,000 UFO sightings every year. You know, like people, I mean, like, I think that's in the U.S. alone, like 60,000, you know, people report craft that split off into four craft and, and then they, they dissipate in the air. They have craft that are orbs. They have craft that are like, you know, so that, that guy didn't obviously didn't know what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Like, but you know what? There was a, sorry. I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think a lot of it, some of it might be like our government has our own ufos but i still believe that the the, the the aliens have ufos and they use them and that we we and we might not have anything like we might have something similar that we've tried to copy like some kind of anti-gravitic gravitical you know craft but i think they have the real deal that goes in and out of dimensions what do you think oh i agree with you 100 percent and um uh that see if you look at it if you go back and really look at something at, at the timeline that back in the 1890s we're in horse and buggy i mean we're still doing horse and buggy in the cities even up into the early 19 like 1910 they still got horses in new york city and stuff like that and because the car had not automobile had not really caught on that well yet and then it gradually did so our technology up from from 1900 to uh, 2000 has quadrupled in the last and that last and that hundred years than it had in all the previous years before 1900, going back to when man first walked on this planet. And you know and, why it progressed? I can tell you. I what I listen to. I'm a big Art Bell fan. I listen to the Art Bell show. And I heard an interview with Colonel Corso. You know, did you ever hear about this? Colonel Corso, he. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I got a book. Of of all yeah. the, he was in charge of all the, uh, from the year of the Roswell crash, everything that they were able to salvage from the Roswell crash. He, they turned that into technology. He had a, a desk full of things. It turned into um, fiber optics. Like you said, that's why I was going to say you, your thing can be proven because like, they turned, you know, he said they, they made flak jackets out of what they found at Roswell. He was in charge of all of it. And he came clean at the end of his life because his grandparents, his grandkids were asking him what he did in the service. And he wanted them to know, you know, he wanted, he wanted to have a, his legacy. 
Um, he was with the Eisenhower administration. He was in charge of the uh, the, uh, the nuclear uh, missiles over in Europe at one time. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, he was career military, and then he happened to see these bodies at, at one of the air bases, and then he was picked to, to go to the Pentagon, and the general gave him the key and said, here are a couple of file cabinets for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and everything. And, and then he's telling all this stuff. And so, you know, you can't dismiss his credibility. They, people want credibility. And I got to tell you something. And, and, and since you're talking about this, uh, I live in Tennessee. So, so I go down, uh, a lot of times I go down to Destin, Florida, down on the Gulf of Mexico uh, for vacation. And, and, and when I was getting into this stuff and, and my mem and I wanted to find out what was going on with me back in the nineties, I started going down as just kind of like, almost like synchronistic events that Gulf Breeze and Ed Warren and all those UFO sightings have happening down at Gulf Breeze and Pensacola area. That was only an hour away from where I would vacation. So I would drive up there. And one of the first people I met up there was a guy by the name of Ray. Now I won't give his last name, but, but it, people who were, was down there would know this. He used to be one of the lead scientists for Monsanto International. And we were down there sky watching one day at, at, at Gulf Breeze down on and it overlooked Santa Rosa Sound and Pensacola Beach down there. And, and Ray told us a story. Ray said that he was the head of this department for Monsanto International. When this guy came in with a briefcase, what you see on TV, it was chained to his wrist with a handcuff. And and he opened the he took the briefcase off, gave it to Ray, and um, with the key, and the big wigs, and he did this in the presence of the people who ran Monsanto, and um, and 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 they said, here's something, go find out what it is, and tell us how to make it. And so Ray takes it back to his lab with all of his people under him and looks at it and comes back and says, uh, and says that, well, we know what it is, but we can't make it on earth. And why can't you? And so they said, well, if you know what it is, how come you can't make it in earth? Because in order to make it, it's got to be in the complete vacuum of space itself wow. and 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 so we said well ray where where did this come from and he was and you know what it what it was was the most perfect silicon chip there was wow that ever seen. that's so cool and that that was made now i i'm not the only one that was sitting down there hearing this story but he he was he was very much into this when these UFO sightings happened, but and and he told us he said, well, where did you get these? He says, this was the stuff that Corso farmed out. 
Wow. And they farmed it out to Monsanto. Now, Gorsuch never told these companies where they got it, and 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 just said that we got it, and and all the and these companies were thinking it was all uh, from like the Russians or the Chinese or somebody like that. They didn't know it until years later. Yeah, it was from a UFO. Yeah, yeah. And what got me about this whole thing with Corso, and it's called the Day After Roswell, his his book, his mm-hmm. main book was it, and and I'm not trying to be conspiratorial about this, but he came out with that book. He was supposed to be in pretty good health, and then he dies like a year and a half, two years later. Wow, I know. Isn't that weird? You know, yeah, like- I, I found that. I'm not trying to say that he got whacked. You know, the government killed him or whatever. I'm just saying that it was strange that that he comes out and and I mean you it's hard to get someone with greater credibility than that. I know he, I mean, he I, I, the, the the interview is still on Art Bell to this day. I was listening to it the other day because I wanted to sharpen up on what I knew. Like you know, as far as like you know, I saw because I have a a, a, a a pass on this Art Bell website. You know, it's all old Art Bell shows, and I, I saw one. Right. Thing, and one said Colonel Corso, and I was like, "Oh, I'll click on this," and it took me right back in time. You know, it was like it was like listening to him say it for the first time. I I love those old Art Bell shows. Those are those are like gold. Do you ever listen to Art Bell? Oh yeah, I used to listen to Art Bell all the time, and uh, I would go to these gatherings. And I'm a night owl anyway. Yeah, me I'm too. A night, I'm a night owl, and um and so I would still be up. And and see, uh, you're on the east. You're on Eastern Standard Time. I'm on Central, so it's only an hour difference. And so, like when I was doing the show for uh, for with Connie Willis on Art Bell on uh, Coast to Coast here uh, back in November, uh, it was being broadcast ten to two from L.A. And at my home, it was two to four. <laughs> it would have been three to five on your on your time and thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty late. It's pretty late. Like I'm a coast member, but I, I I get a membership to coast to coast. So I I listen to the shows the next day sometimes because I got to work a lot. So you know I, sometimes I can't stay up all night and watch them. Like I sometimes I'll start listening at like one or two a.m. when it comes on here, but then I you know I fall asleep to it. Like but they still have really good shows. Like I was telling someone on the internet, I still listen to Connie. And George Norrie and George Knapp and uh, uh, Ian Punnett and uh, Richard Syrett, they're all good hosts. I like them all. Like they, they, they really, it, but uh, Connie's great too. She's a, she's a great talk show host. Like I, I, th- I think she, people, she's underrated. Like I don't think enough people know about her, you know, like she's, she's as a, she, what, what, how did you know Connie? Well, I admit I had swapped a couple of emails with Connie back years ago about, you know, and about seven or eight years ago, you know, just a couple back and forth. And because I was trying to meet new people and she came up and, 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 and she didn't remember that until I brought it back up. And then my friend who would be a good guest on your show, if he hadn't already been is Brad Odom. I, I don't think he had, no, I'll have to check him out. I, I, I Brent Odoms, he's written three books and, and he's been, he's on Ancient Aliens quite often. 
and everything. And he would be, and he's an abductee like me. And he used to live here. Now he lives down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And I met him back in 2009, 2010. And, uh, but Brett got me in touch with Connie and, and Connie. And, and so Connie asked me to do the, I was going to do another Connie called contacted me to do a project with her. Because Connie, besides doing Art Bell, she does uh, Blue Rock Talk. Yeah. And, and she does uh, Creepy Hot Spots. And matter of fact, and, you know, on these remote live streaming um, uh, investigations she does. And we're planning one for right here at my house, too. Wow. Uh, you, you have a, the, 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 the audience doesn't know where, right now when you have something big going on at your house. Well, first, you, I want to tell the audience you had a seance at your house and you were able to contact some graves. But besides that, like we said in the in the beginning, you have an Indian ceremonial site at your house where you were you have an Aztec. Uh, it, it's Aztec evidence that was four feet underneath your property. I think both these things are important. What do you want to talk about first? The fact that you were at, you had a seance and you were able to contact these grays or I mean, like we, well, it's not a seance. It's not a seance that people have. Uh, it's, it's like, it's a ghost investigation. Okay. But it's a ghost investigation where you use the spirit box. Yeah. But, oh, Brent, okay. but Brent Oldham has taught us how to use it in a different way. And and so we can actually do, like you see a lot of these uh, ghost groups on TV using their spirit box and which is basically, it's a radio, it's a radio uh, that's bringing in radio signals and the ghosts are talking on the, on the static, on the radio signals that don't make it and turn and you hear it on static on your radio. And, and the ghost spirit box we use is the old shack hack, radio shack hack, where yeah. you disconnect the uh, scan button and it scans through, we use mainly the AM band. And, uh, and then we can hear the ghost talking and we can talk to them in person. I mean, not in person, but in real time. And we're... And, and when we do a ghost investigation, and this is all part of this here at my house, that when we do a ghost investigation anywhere, we, we can get do an investigation anywhere from three to five hours max, and we don't need all this equipment. And people will get their, 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 their ghost box, their spirit box, and, and they will carry it around with them. We don't carry ours around with us. We, and, and they may get maybe five, six EVPs total. We average 20 to 40. Oh, wow. In an hour and a half. I've got 3,000 saved on, on a disc. Wow. <laughs> a disc. And because we do it a different way and, and we contact spirit guides, our spirit guides, and, and we sit down and we just, we do a regular investigation and then with our digital recorders and then we come and do the spirit box but we do that in a static way where we're sitting around the table or a coffee table wherever we set it up and do it and so brett odom and i and his wife ex-wife he was over here at my house one night and uh and we decided and my wife had already gone to bed and so we decided well let's come over here to my pool house 
which is my pool house, office, man cave combo. And so, um, and is where I am right now. And so we decided to do it over here. And, and so we had been contacting the ghost and stuff like that, been no problem. And we said, let's contact, let's see if, and we just decided to experiment, see if we could contact the grays. And sure enough, we set it up over here in my office instead of in the main house where we normally set it up. And uh, when we're here at my home, and 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 sure enough, we 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 start asking for the grays, and we get the grays. Now the thing about when you get the grays, our voice—you can tell I'm a human by my voice, and I can tell you're a human by your voice. And I, and even if we didn't have the video going, we'd still hear the human voice. When you talk to the grays, we're hearing. A synth, what sounds like a synthesized human voice. Were you serious? Oh, so it even sounds even creepier. Like, it's a, well, think about it. Is is say they're up in a spaceship, and one of their crafts, and say they're hovering over the house. Just say, and they and they pick up, and these things are these voices are traveling on radio waves, and radio waves are everywhere. You know, I mean, it's just unlimited number of radio waves. And so they got some kind of tracking device that can pick up radio waves, blah, blah, blah. So they happen to tap into our radio, you know, our, our little Shack Hack uh, uh, transistor radio we had hooked now, up. Why do, you, wait, why do you call it Shack Hack? Like, is it the way you, you is it anything I could do? Like, I could just hack into it this way too? You, you just get the, uh, you get a transistor radio or is it a, is it a ghost box? What is, it, it's a ghost box. Okay. But okay, so the first one that 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 they came out with, you know, Tesla invented one himself. Tesla yeah. invented one that he used when he was stuck with a problem. He would get on it and contact some type of beings that would help him with some of his problems. I didn't know and, that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um uh, and then but but so it so first one we heard about the first one I heard about it was a it's a radio shack transistor radio that fits in your pocket it's got an antenna it's got a fm uh, 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 am dial and and you've got the little turn thing you've got some in mics and out mics you know put uh, connections to it you got a volume control and um, like a regular transistor radio and it's got a scan button on there so just, it's the same type of scan button, basically, that's on a car radio, where yeah. you're driving out and, and, and you're away from this, and you're trying to pick up a radio, so it go until it picks up a signal, same way. But the thing that is different is that someone figured out that if you take off the back and look at the electronic board in there and you modify some, the scan button, to where it doesn't work, then then and the scan button it will come on and it will scan, but it will not stop. Oh, well, so that, that, that gives a, 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 a continuous line of like something, it, right? Radio? Yeah, it does. It does a it does a continuous uh, uh, feed, uh, line, feed of the AM station starting about 600, 610, going all the way up. That's to, so cool. That's and, so interesting. 
I got to watch it. And what you're doing, you got to figure out. I, I, you you can buy one. I bought one here about five years ago, but you probably could do this on any ra a transistor radio, and um, and or any radio that has a scan button, and and you have your scan button, and you know, like I, you hit the scan button, and it, and it will go until it finds the station coming in clear enough, and it will stop on it. What you've got to do is to, is to go into the guts of the radio and disconnect the scan button so it will not stop on a, on a signal that it would cycle through the whole AM band continuously until you hit the off button. Yeah. That's so you, you start it up, it'll start out, out on 600 or 610 on the AM dial. And then you just hit the forward or the back button, uh, like uh, you know, like I said, like a car radio type of thing. And you just hit the forward, hold it down for a couple of seconds, it starts scanning, and it does not stop. It just keeps on and on and on. And and so, I'm not technologically and electronically uh, smart enough to do that myself. So, but but it's a um, it's just like it's just a little black transistor radio. They called it the old Shack Hack because the first person who did it apparently did it on a Radio Shack transistor radio. That's pretty cool. That's so yeah. cool. So that's what we use. And then, uh, and the voice and the robot robotic type voices, you can hear hear that they're synthesized, and uh, because it's not, you don't hear the. The, the rhythmic sound that that our voices make and it's it's more like a it's more like um like like an old beginning audio on computers you know it, 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 yeah it, yeah i know what you mean yeah something, something it, similar to that yeah that's you, funny yeah like a, like a robotic voice right yeah it's like it's like they're speaking into a a, a mic and then it's being translated from their language into our language where we can hear them in, in our language. It's just like when a abductee, unless they already know the English language, they're talking to us in, in their language, but we're but our brain is and is deciphering it into English that we understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, and what did they say? Like, what did the grays say? Did they give you any information on your experiences or like, like what? Well, we, yeah, we, uh, Brett was asking mainly about his experiences and I was asking about mine. And we both said, are we abductees? And all of a sudden you hear a voice. Yes. And, and you got it when you hear these, when you hear a ghost box or a spirit box, you, you've got to, you got to, you got to listen. It may take, several times going through a session for for someone to be able to discern a, a ghost voice or a, or, a, or a spirit voice compared to a radio voice yeah and 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 so we we would do all types of experiences but brad asked uh do you abduct me and 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 he and they said yes and he says how many times how often do you abduct, abduct me, come and get me, take me? And they said, every day. Wow. 
Now they're very specific too on their wording. Like for example, I saw a UFO on Thanksgiving vacation in, in, in uh, just south of Charleston, South Carolina one year. And, and we were down at this uh, Bohicket Marina. We we're waiting to get our table and I'm walking the dock waiting for the names to be called. And I looked up in the sky and all of a sudden there was a UFO up there. Wow. And up in, up in the sky. So I, so, so when I got back home and, and did my next uh, spirit box session by myself, uh, I asked the question, I says, when I was in Charleston, South Carolina, or, or South, I actually said Kiowa Island, South Carolina, I said, did I see a UFO in the sky at Bohicket Marina? And the answer came back, says, in the air. Wow. Wow. Not, That's amazing. See, we look, we look at sky as the whole thing, as everything, clouds and, and 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 everything like that. But to them, it wasn't in the sky because they they don't understand that concept of sky, basically. Yeah. They're more direct and into what it is, which was in the air. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. and so and so we ask them, we ask them about, do you believe in God? And they said, we don't need God. Wow. And and I thought that was I thought that was very interesting, and uh, because we in other sessions that we had done as a group, not as just three of us, but when there's five or six people. We've, we've literally asked, says, are you the God of the Bible? And they would, they would say, uh, they would come up and say, uh, uh, they said, Enoch. Wow. And we said, uh, uh, no, they said Egypt. And we said, what is your name? And we got back either Enoch or Enoch. Well, that's amazing because maybe they knew of Enoch because Enoch was supposed to, I don't know, that's, that's interesting because there's like the book of Enoch and they, you know, oh, 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 they could be fallen angels, that, 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 right? Because Enoch was with the fallen angels. Enoch talks about the fallen angels. Yeah, but see, here's the thing you've got to look, look at too is one more question we asked, how do we know you're the, you know, uh, that, that you're God? And he goes, 70 says 70 and uh and a friend of mine this lady was taking was uh jj her who was doing who talked about enoch and under the sphinx and stuff like that was doing a, was doing classes and she was going to those classes and according to what her found under the sphinx back years and years ago was the 70 steps to enlightenment. Wow. I like that. That's so interesting. That's so and, interesting. Uh, but we ask, we ask, uh, uh, what is, what is the name of Jesus? And, uh, and, and they go, Abba. And wow. that's, a, that, that's an old name. Not too many people. Yeah. No, that's Abba. And uh, we ask them, we ask, 
we we literally ask them who was Jesus. And you know what they said? What hybrid. Do they really? Yeah, they said hybrid. Now, wow. if, you, if you come down and look at it, then that's exactly what Jesus was because he was part Jesus. He was part man and part God. So he wasn't just human. He wasn't just God. He was part of both. So that would make him a hybrid human because he was also part God. If you believe in the Trinity, then he was a three-part hybrid. So, yeah. so, so the word hybrid. Like God is just could be an alien. God could be somewhat of an alien from another world. We don't know. We, I mean, we have an idea what God is, but we don't really know what he is. I mean, the creator of our universe could be anything, you know, he could be, I mean, we, you know, like, I guess if he's not from this earth, it's considered an alien, right? Right. I mean, we, and, and uh, I don't know. It depends. Well, the, when, when, the this girl was explaining to me the the teachings of I mean the what Hercock was saying, and Hercock was saying that there's a deity, some type of supreme deity over every dimension, and so there's a so there's a deity of some sort that could have been humanoid, could have been any you know anything that's just been around for so long and 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 has evolved into this supreme type being because anything above us is going to be supreme being you know yeah because humans are just humans live in a three-dimensional world and that's the way we think most people think when when now scientists with string theory and everything is saying okay there's at least 10 more dimensions out there yes and yes. And, and 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 I was talking to some uh, some church people, religious people, very nice religious people one day, and they said, well, we don't believe in, in the fourth dimension or fifth dimension or ten. You still there? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. So go ahead. Where were you at now? So, so, uh, okay, so, but... I had a religion. I was talking to these religious people, and they were very nice folks. Nothing against them or anything like that. We we're just having a discussion, and they just came up and said, "You know what? Uh, we, I, you know, we don't believe in a fourth dimension and and stuff like that." And I said, "Well, you know, we live in a three dimensional world, up and down, sideways and backwards and forwards. That's a three dimensional world." I said, "Yes. Now, do you believe you have a soul?" And they said, of course we do. And I said, I said, and uh, so, and that soul is in living in your body, right? Yes. And it's part of your body, right? I says, well, bring that, do me a favor, bring that soul out. Let me see your soul. And they said, well, we can't do it because it's spirit. And I says, if you can't see it and you can't bring it out and you can't hurt it, you can't bring it out and beat it with a baseball bat or burn it with a big light, big lighter, but you know, it's there and it's part of you. It, it's invisible, right? I said, well, of course it's invisible. Then that's a fourth dimension. Yeah. I don't understand that. It's just like, you know, it's just like, it, you know, it kind of gets back to this. It says the air, we don't see the air. We can't see the air. Yeah. But it's there because we breathe it, right? Yeah. So if we can't see the air, 
then and, and it's invisible, then then it's got to be another dimension. Simple as that. If we've got a soul, it has to be another dimension because it's not part of you know it's not part of our three dimensional body or three dimensional world. Yeah. Um, and everything. So, but you, but but you know there was a thing. You might find this interesting. There was a thing that was going around in the religious community through a lot of these evangelical groups and at these super churches, mega churches. And they were talking how some scientists found what they call is the God gene. Yeah. It's a gene that looks like a, a cross. It's a gene that looks like a cross. And I listened to it and listened to the story, how it came about. And, 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 and I was actually on watching it on TBN, Trinity Broadcast Network, of this church service. And they just happened to be talking about it. And I just happened to turn on it, which I don't watch it off. I don't watch it hardly at all um, for various reasons. But I, I was just kind of tuned to this one. I mean, I just somehow got to this one. So I'm watching it, and there's a church service at one of these mega churches talking about the God gene and taught the story of how the God gene was discovered by this scientist. And this minister went to a conference, and this scientist came up and talked to the minister and who was giving a talk at this conference and blah, blah, blah. And that's how the God gene got noticed and was talked about. So, yes, that means that we're a part of God because it's got the God gene inside of man. So I looked it up. I looked sure it up, too. I, I think it's I, something different. I think it's something that was put into us so we were meant to worship. Benjamin. No, 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 no. It's a normal gene. I, 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 you know, this stuff about this and, and where I, where I, where I learned this was, you know, you mentioned in the biography of me right before about me doing these seven DNA tests. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you start doing that genetic stuff. It's like learning a, another language. And I'm like in kindergarten with that because it's so in depth. But there is a God gene. What The God gene is not a God gene in any religious sense. It's just another gene within the human body, but this God gene could be is in a male body and in a female body, but it's not a good gene. It's that got what they're calling the God gene that looks like a cross, and it is it does look like a cross. So they're saying this is a cross. This is proof that God's in us. Blah blah blah. But that God gene. It's got a specific function, and that's the defective gene, and that's the main gene that gives women breast cancer. Oh, wow. Yep, and see, and you know you know, it's the same gene because all genes are numbered. Yeah. In, in a numbering sequence, and, and if you look at it and you ask how many genes, you know, if you look, and at one time, uh, genes were just a, a, a certain number, Started out like okay, there's twelve thousand genes in the human body. Well, now there's now it's up to like two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> wow! The more they, the deeper they get into, the more they find. Yeah, it's just, it's just like in space, you know. And you know, we only know as far as what's out in space. 
other planets, we only know about what we see, what how far out we can go, how far out we can see. And by the time someone down here sends something, say, 3,000 light years away, by the time it gets back to us, there's been 3,000 generations. Yeah. And somebody forgot it because the distances are so vast. And, 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 you, and, you know, need time travel, right? To like, to, you would almost need something like something at the speed of light or something to, 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 to make up for that distance. And why, why do you think we're so far away from any other civilization? I mean, or do you think things are interdimensional? There's, there's a lot of questions there, but I mean, like, well, I think, I think we've got, um, I think you've got, I don't think all these, I think these dimensions have a tendency to every once in a while merge together. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. You're sitting at your desk right now, right? Yeah. Now, so how do you know that where your desk is located is not another desk in a parallel earth? Yeah, that's true. I thought about and, that. Yeah, and you're just and you're just in your dimension. And then see, this is one thing that, that Brett Odom and I talked about quite extensively. And that is that is this is that and my and the people at my they've nicknamed my house the paranormal palace because of all the stuff. Now my house is only about 17, 18 years old. My wife and I had it built. Our dream house, this is where I'm going to die. I'm not going to move anymore. I'm happy. She's happy. We got our puppies, grandchildren coming over, children coming over, and everything. Now, we either, we we found this lot, and we didn't know it was here, but it was like, it was like four years ago that I found the Indian stuff. But, and we'd already lived here like We've been here about 17, 18 years, so this was like four years ago. And uh, and people says, well, you can't have ghosts in your house because your house is not old. It's not an old house and stuff like that. I'm going, yeah, we haven't had, you know, we don't have, you know, we the house is only 17, 18 years old. No one's died in it. There have been a few arguments with my wife and I, but no big deal. Um uh, it's a happy place. Children come over and play. We have a pool, blah, blah, blah. So you're right. It's not an old house. It's nothing bad happened here, blah, blah, blah. But you can't just look at the structure on a piece of property. You got to look at the property itself. And the property has been here for estimated 3 billion years. And there's been a lot of stuff happened here in 3 billion years. Just recently, uh, before this neighborhood was built, and you know, and there's like 45 homes in the whole neighborhood, that it was farmland. It was owned by this big family. They sold it off, and somebody offered enough money. And right where my backyard is, right where my house sits, right where the pool sits, I used to plant tobacco and corn. But here's what I found out: that that there's farms next to the neighborhoods and all around. I kind of live out in the country a bit. And Civil War soldiers, and they got it's a equestrian neighborhood of horses, and they've got a lot of riding trails for the horses. Yeah. 
and coming right beside my house on the east side is a riding trail that used to be a a, a, a confederate a, a riding trail for 3,000 confederate guerrillas wow during the civil war you know 1861 to 1865 but before it became a riding trail for the you know for, i mean a, a, a civil war trail for confederate guerrillas to run back and forth um that it used to be old indian trails old indian trails and 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 i learned that because and one reason here's what people don't understand because they don't see this in movies i live on a ridge not a real high ridge but a ridge and and this ridge runs east and west and and along this ridge are 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 um um underground creeks it's like a big bucket the ridge what's the name um watershed the ridge the whole ridge going east to west of my house is a watershed that's where the rainwater gathers and 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 fills up at the top and then flows underground to the valleys to feed all the above ground creeks and there is an a there is a underground creek that runs right under my pool house wow. and right under the pool 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 deck pool house goes over into the riding trail splits off goes down into the valley behind my house past the woods and over to the farm next next door creates a spring-fed pond there's three wow. spring-fed ponds in my neighborhood wow that's so and, cool. and and it, all because we live on a watershed. Now, what the geologist who I had over here was telling me, and he brought over, we knew the watershed was here when we built the house because we got an in-ground sprinkler system. And, um, and, the, and, and, and so we're trying to hook into it, save some bucks when we watered our yard. But it, it, it runs, but it doesn't run full time like it used to because there's a break about halfway across the neighborhood yeah and and so so part of the water is diverted off at the break and made an above ground creek and the other part still makes its way underground and we're talking 30 40 feet underground wow and um and so uh the indians used to walk on top of the watersheds and the reason why they worked walked on top of the watersheds because they'll run for miles and miles, and because it's a lot easier if you're going to move a, a, a village or something or a bunch of people or whatever over fl flat ground, even though it's on a, a, a up above, then try to cross hundreds of creeks yeah 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 that makes sense yeah 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 so i mean and uh and and if say i've got on my gps on my car it shows up the creek it shows up the roads and i update it every year or two it shows the road but you go from here over to a little town called spring hill and that's where they built the, the saturn car plant uh gm did you go down over there it's just filled with red lines indicating above ground creeks. 
but my neighborhood, it shows absolutely no creeks because the GPS is only getting the above ground creeks and not the below ground creeks from the watershed. That's how the water gets from the top of the shed down to the bottom. That's so and, interesting. Huh? That's so interesting. Well, I had to learn all this stuff in order to, to understand what was happening at my house. And I talked to the developer and and what's and, happening in your house? Like you mean like is it is there paranormal stuff happening too? Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. You didn't oh, tell yeah. me about that. That's why I—I I, I mean, we we do, we do. I want the audience to know what's going on at your house. Uh, a lot. Um, well, I'd love. I want the audience to hear it all. Can you tell? Like, can, I mean, just in a summary, can you tell? Like, like what's going on? We've got ghosts. We've got Civil War ghosts. Wow. We've got, and we know the names of some of these Civil War ghosts. Um. Um, uh, because, uh, because we further their names on the, on the spirit box when we talk to them. Wow. There's, there's a little boy that there's a, there's a small boy, but I'm a Jacob who's seven years old and he lives in my house, but he died in a fire with his mom and dad on another part of the property years and years and years ago. And and he lives at my he lives in my house now. Uh, I'm not a big fan of I'm not a big believer in demons and devils and stuff like that. As you know, as some people with deep Christian beliefs believe and stuff. Now I believe in a good and a bad, you know, and stuff. You know, got like a yin yang type thing. But but. No one's. I made it when we built this house. I buried an amethyst stone under the entry foyer, and that's where we have most of the uh, the um, um, spirit box sessions we do. Yeah, and because I read where amethyst stone helps create portals. Wow! So you wanted it so, to happen. Well, they've been around me my whole whole life, okay? Yeah. yeah. Aliens, ghosts, stuff like that. I had my first out-of-body experience when I was uh, 16 years of age. And, uh, but, um, but I, bar I had this buried before they, before they put in the subfloor of the house. And, um, and I made a deal with the, the spirits, ghosts, whoever that are here. I says, okay, I'm going to create a doorway for you all to come in. And you can come in, you can be seen, you can make noises as long as you don't, as long as you do two things. First of all, you don't scare anybody. And you keep the bad guys out. And that's what they've been doing ever since. Really? Yeah. There's, there's only been actually two people that actually gotten scared around here and 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 uh my wife is 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 former military uh she was a captain of the air force and um uh, and then she's a, she she's a nurse so she was a flight nurse in the military for eight years and then and then that was her life calling being a nurse and so 
she's got that discipline from the military discipline, but she also has the um, cleanliness of a nurse. So yeah. when we first got married almost 30 years ago, it was like, I couldn't clean things right. And yeah. we would get into arguments. So I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hire a maid and let them come in and clean the house. So if you want to yell at somebody or get on to somebody for not cleaning something right, you're going to be getting on to them because I'm not touching it anymore and everything. And that kind of saved that problem. But when, when we built this house, when we built this house and moved in, we hired uh, uh, this, we found this lady, uh, uh, a, a, a Mexican lady, and who was here with her family legally. So we never have to worry about ice or anything like that coming to get them. Yeah. So they go back and forth to Mexico all the time, but they're legal here. Yeah. And, and they've been here. And, but the lady started up a cleaning business and had one of her sisters and another lady helping her at the time, three people to clean. And, uh, and, Two of the ladies at different times, her, one of her sisters and this other lady she had helping helping her saw the silver. There's a there's one of the ghosts in here is is we call him the general or the colonel. He's like a colonel or general, Confederate colonel or Confederate general. He's in the house and they're upstairs cleaning and they see and at different times and see the colonel walking down the hallway. <laughs> and, and and they knew that their the lady Mara who Mara who who owns the service is downstairs. They're upstairs. I'm over in the pool house. We're the only ones here. My wife was at work at the time, and and they're they're wondering who this is. So they come out and you know protecting my house basically, saying okay, here's somebody that shouldn't be in here. So let's go check it out. So they went to check it out. And they catch him as he's walking down the hallway. They see him in the doorway. They both saw him in the doorway as they're in the bedrooms cleaning upstairs. And they turned around and just happened to see him. Or something told him to turn around. They saw him. He's standing in the doorway in the hallway. And then he turns and starts walking down. Almost the exact same scenario, but two different times. And, and about a year and a half apart, year, year and a half apart. And they go to the door and see who it is and see what this person is doing that they don't recognize. And he's in a uniform. He's in a dark gray uniform with a hat. It's got a feather in it, which wow. was typical for Confederate uh, uh, cavalry people to, to wear. And, and he got to the stairs going downstairs. All of a sudden, he disappeared. They got scared, and they both quit. <laughs> to, now, but... I would have gatherings over here. My, my let, let me tell you this. This is cool. My, my, I had. I was watching my granddaughter, my 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 youngest granddaughter, who's ten now. But I was watching her, and you know, and for a period of time, and um, uh, while her mother was at work and my wife was at work, and I'm here at the home working, so I took off some time from my writing and research of this stuff. To, to babysit the baby and uh and so it'd be about a year and a half old two years old 
I, and I'd say, okay, it's time to put, put her down for a nap. So I take her upstairs and put her in her crib and to take a nap and you know how babies get grumpy and stuff and to take a nap and I'd have the baby monitor up there, the, the, the transmitter up in the bedroom and I would go over here to the pool house and, and I'm just right across from the, across the pool deck, but I'm hearing the, the, I'm hearing her upstairs in case something happens. Well, she'd be crying. All of a sudden, I start hearing voices other no, really? than her crying and doing her little baby talk. And I went over there, and nobody's there. Going, what the heck is going on here? And and so it turns out that who it was was that the ghost in this house, who who other people have seen, who many people have seen, and and have heard was playing with her and helped her to go to sleep. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah you'd hear her laughing. You'd be, you'd hear, you could hear the voice and they'd be going, you know, whatever, baby talk themselves. And she'd, she'd just get a kick out of that and start laughing. So where she's crying for five minutes, all of a sudden she quits crying and starts laughing and going, and going, ball, ball. And, you know, like handing someone a ball. I would sit over here and listen to it. Every time I went over, I couldn't see anybody. But, That's but, amazing. Yeah, and uh, and then ghosts. My wife and I were back in the bedroom one day, and we were on the bed, and all of a sudden, a portal. We got a double door coming into the master bedroom, and the and the doors were shut because we're back there talking, and right there at the double doors inside the bedroom when we're talking, my wife's looking at me, and I'm just looking towards that way just have to be looking towards that way and all of a sudden a portal what i call a portal it was almost like a rectangular box almost that just appeared and it had this electrical looking stuff kind of going inside of it like what you would see in a movie or something like an electrical field inside wow and then here comes a gray out of it. Nuh-uh. Yep. yep. Are you serious? Serious. Now, if people want to know about my place, all they got to do is go to YouTube and type in Sandy Nichols Paranormal Palace trailer. I wonder if I lose resources if I try to share my screen and try to, um, hold on, let me, uh, let me, uh. Now, you can put it on another uh, link. I mean, uh, just put on another link up there. I, I gotta, I gotta pull up. I gotta pull up uh, my. Uh, hold on. I'm just gonna hold on. I'm gonna pause this. I, I see it saying low system resources. I don't know if it'll, it'll let me, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to tear so my. You want to go to YouTube? Go if you can get it. Go to YouTube and type in Sandy Nichols Paranormal Palace Trailer. Hold on, I'm, I'm uh, Sandy Nichols, Paranormal Palace trailer. Yep. Oh, right. wait, but YouTube won't play it. They won't let me play it because there's, it'll say copyright, even though you're on my show. It doesn't matter. Um, well, let me, let me see. I mean, it doesn't matter. Normal Palace. It be, it's about a six minute and two second video. I have you, all right, right. Let me see if I can pull this up. Like, let me see if I can do it with Zoom. 
but your listeners can 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 hear it and uh, can watch it, and it that tells a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Um. Well, let me see here. I want to see if we can share the screen. No, so they used to have these gatherings here. Can you? Is it, did it come up? It says, "I see you up at the top." Yeah, there it is. Here's you right here. Paranormal. Uh, okay. Seven years there ago. There it is. Now just click on the top one. We're gonna watch it six minutes. If it plays, and you'll see. It yeah, says you see me come up. Go- I'll be out coming out. It says you live with fifty ghosts. I'm losing the audio. Oh man, hold on. Yeah. It's uh, hold on. It says you like. Well, I'm gonna stop the share. I was losing resources, so um, I'm just gonna. They can they can just go to it. But it says it said in there that you live with fifty ghosts. Well, that was that was a that was um should not be in there. We know there's about fifteen in here, but not fifty. And see, the, I, I did the narration on that. Most of that that you hear me talking about the stuff is is I went into the recording studio and did the narration on that, and uh, and I should have I should not have said fifty, and I didn't catch it for some reason until it was already out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all right, you know, I mean, but I think people realize you like you live with a lot of ghosts, you know, so that's oh, that's- yeah, but not just ghosts. I mean, I'm standing down at see the hole in my backyard. see, let me the 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 we I've had the out of body experiences here. I've had the ghosts here, uh, aliens, uh, and you have the the Mayan the Mayan Aztec thing in your backyard. You have the Mayan yeah. Aztec. That's what it's looking like because it's not looking like from the stuff. I've got artifacts. Yeah, I've got artifacts and and um and and nobody knows what the heck these artifacts are. Yeah, let me hold on one second. I'll pull one out for you. Let me get this out. And um, and the geologist himself was telling me about the the artifacts. Okay, give me one. Where where did it go? I'm gonna pause up to my camera. See that right there? Oh wow, that's amazing! What is that? We don't know. Now, see that? See that thing sticking in there? Is that a tooth? No. See, here's the back up here. I don't know what that is. That's uh, now. Here's what I'm thinking it might be. Okay. I have found at the four foot level concrete in the hole, and the hole is big enough that an SUV was sitting in it. Almost as big as as the size of an SUV. And um and this was found at the four foot deep level. 
and and that's where the concrete was found. Now I'm thinking, okay, concrete. Everybody thinks concrete is modern. They've been making concrete for eight thousand years. Yeah, that's how come yeah. these structures over in the Middle East and all these other places are still standing because the concrete they use, the binder, what they call the binder or the glue that holds all that stuff together, it's called the binder, but it, it's basically the glue is coming, is being used, being made by volcanic rocks and volcanic dust, and which is very strong and very tough. <clears throat> The concrete we have today is guaranteed only about 120 years because the stuff that they put in there to, to, to buy that glue includes about two to three percent gypsum. And that, gyps, yeah. gypsum, a lot of people don't know, really know what gypsum is. Gypsum is what your drywall in your house is made of. Yeah, fiberglass particles, right? No, it's it, no, it's a it's a it's a rock. Gypsum oh. is a rock and a byproduct of coage gypsum too. Okay. And 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 it's a it's a white rock crushed up, and and uh and they crush it up, and they make the 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 drywall in your house. Well, if anybody's ever had a leak, a water leak in their house, they know how water messes up your drywall. Yeah. Well, they were used the concrete today. It's only guaranteed about 120 years to stay together. But after that, it starts falling apart because it's got the gypsum in there because gypsum goes away and basically the glue starts coming apart. Yeah. And everything. So now that's one piece. Let me show you another piece here. Show you another piece. Here's this. Wow. It's been smoothed down. Can you see that all right? Yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah, it's been smoothed down. And the geologist has never seen this. I'm thinking this, I'm thinking this right here. This right here, that's a grainy surface. And you can see these, some of these photos on my Facebook page because I've got all my photos open. I think that is the binder. What that piece sitting in is. And that piece that you're seeing that's sticking in there, that's about the width and thickness of a, UB, a USB uh, stick that you stick in your USB port. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but I think that's the binder because if you notice, it's got brown and you see the brown in there. Yeah, I think that brown is part of uh, is part of the, the glue system too, which is like a um, like a, a what they call a chert, which is a um, uh, crystalline flint. Okay. And you can have different strengths of flint instead of it just being like shell flint where you can chip it off. And that's what those arrowheads, you know, the, the Native American arrowheads were made out of flint, but a harder flint instead of the kind that layers and chips off real easy. And um, 
Now, there's, I got another piece in here. I think that, that that white thing, I think that's Nova Coolite. Nova Coolite, I think that's what that is. And I think Nova Coolite is a very hard rock which retains heat. And, and there's Nova Coolite deposits in in Texas and in Arkansas, and and none around. He, huh? What's it for? What's it? What's it? Well, it's a very hard material, and they grind it up. And a lot of uh, one of the things they use it for, I don't know what it's all used for, but one of the things they use it for, they grind it up and and make it into like a paste, and they and they coat the inside of metal drums for heat to keep the heat in the drum. Yeah. Now, here's another one I found. And I thought this one was interesting because it's got it's got uh, three tracks, two very visible. Yeah. And I don't know if this is some kind of track from a prehistoric animal or something like that. Yeah, wow. And then, oh, I took the concrete. I took, I got concrete pieces and I took the concrete down to a, a concrete manufacturing company and, and outside of Nashville. And I talked to the head guy who oversees the manufacturing of the concrete. And they have actually a lab at the concrete manufacturing company to make sure that the consistency of the concrete that they're using is is consistent and uh he and the guy and this was a head hands-on uh manager you know foreman of the thing been doing this work for years and years and he had never seen concrete like what i took over to him never seen concrete like that couldn't even tell what kind of limestone was used and had no idea what the binder or glue was wow now here's some more that I found, there's another piece. And it looks just like a regular rock, but if you get to it, it's not a regular rock. Now, let's see. Now, I don't know what this is. It's almost like a chalky rock. Some of, the, some of these pieces I found after the geologist was here. Now, Here's another piece of that binder. Yeah. See, and, and where you got the you got the hole, what I call the hole in the backyard at the fence line where the riding trail is for the horses in the neighborhood. Yeah. And that used to be a Civil War trail, but before it was a Civil War trail, it was old Indian trail walking the ridges on the watershed. And then it goes to the woods and it drops down at a real steep angle like this. And, and so the, the Indian, so, so this, uh, Civil War soldiers couldn't get their wagons up and down that hill behind my house. So they, there's a trail that goes all the way down the east side of my house it's in the woods. Well, next to the woods and next to a farm field down to an area 
that this slope like this, the, the a decent grade they can get wagons and their horses up. Yeah. Because I mean, this this grade behind my house is like that. I mean, it is steep, and and everything, and it's in this farm where they have that other spring-fed pond, and everything. Now this is interesting. Part of this, to me, I haven't had this looked at, but part of this to me is, I'll show it to you, I'm going to twist it for you. There's an interesting thing here. Let me put it, you got this rock right there, okay? Yeah. And I'll twist it around. You got this rock, and there's part of it, and it's smooth. And sometimes rocks break off smooth, okay? But I don't know what kind of rock that is. Oh, but wow. then, but then, let me get to the other end. You have this piece right there, like that. And, and then I'll move it around so you can see it 360. And, and if you look at it, you look at it close, it looks like whatever happened that is part of the concrete that we think is about 1,500 to 2,000 years old. Wow. That, is, can, it, that has been cemented to this rock. And you know, the, the Aztec, Romans. The Aztec rock, right? Yeah, it, it, we're, we're looking, I'll tell you where I'm getting this information, Aztec Mayan. The, the geologist that was over here had never seen a Native American mound looking like this. He's never seen anything like it before because it's not just the hole, it's got, it's a, here's basically what it, what it has. It's like three layers of big rocks, like a old trail, like an old uh, pathway, okay? An old pathway. And, and you got the first layer you come to, and, and it's huge rocks, and they're separated by about two, two and a half inches on the first layer. That's the layer where the car can that is that a medium-sized SUV can sit in. It's that big. Oh my God. Then that's on the first level. Then there's a second level. There's a second level that's go down. And at that second level came off a uh, entrance, the north side entrance of the hole. And you get in the hole, there's a three-foot stone wall all the way, a three-and-a-half-foot stone wall. Well, three, it, 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 the ground slopes down a little bit yeah. right there. And so parts of it is four feet. And then as it slopes down more towards the north and it goes around, there's an inside wall, what I call the hole. What I call the hole is the inside wall. And it's peppered with rocks, big rocks and small rocks. And some of these rocks that make up the wall are at least that big. Wow. That's just the wall. The floor walls 
are this, the floor itself, some of these rocks are that big. Wow. And the rocks and the gaps between the rocks, those stone pathway, like the, you have a stone pathway going 200 miles up to Machu Picchu. You have a 40, 50 mile long stone pathway going to up in Ohio, going by those, by the serpent mound up there. Yeah. Then you have these stone pathways and they put those rocks just like that. I mean, just like that, just like a road. But these rocks are separated by about two to two and a half inches because the reason it did that is because right in the middle of the hole, the left center of the middle of the hole was a stone kiln about two and a half feet tall. And, and it was surrounded by four rings of rocks on the main first floor, first level, and sitting right in the middle of this stone rock kiln, just like they would make back in, you know, 5,000 years ago to cook food, is a foot, was a rock that's got the shape of a footprint that's 23 inches long. Oh my God, you've been hiding that the whole time. <laughs> a giant footprint. Uh, that's, that's one, there was one I found um, someplace else too, I've got three. One was the last rock on the entrance on the left, on the west side, coming into the hole from the riding trail. What I call the riding trail or the old Civil War trail and the old Indian trail. And then you got that one. And then you have, uh, and then the one in the kiln. The kiln was this big around. The concrete was sitting on the level, on the first level, next to the kiln. You come around, you come in from the north hand, north side, and you come in, you come in going south. And it goes up and curves to the east, and then it curves back to the right and makes a what I call an offset and curves around. It's all rocks in there that looks like a slip and slide. It's so smooth coming down. Wow. It comes back around like this and to the south, and then curves in, and there's a little waterfall that, that, that it went to, curves around and comes back down and meets up. So at the beginning, when I first, I've been taking pictures and videos of this thing the whole time, that there was the entrance way into this hole, you either had to jump off, jump off and into the hole, or you came in level off the, off the uh, trail. And the entrance was only about that wide, but just a little bit wider than a body the width of a person's normal sized person's body. And then, and, and when you do, you got the set, you, you step onto the second level and on the second level is, is, and where the second level meets the first level is where the kiln was located. Wow. And then you have a third level that goes down. This the drainage level because they, you need rock to make concrete. Yeah. And the gaps in between 
say you had a, the kiln lit and you were cooking something in that kiln, you needed to keep that fire going. Well, the, the gaps in between the, 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 the rocks, the, these big rocks, is anywhere from about eight to 10 inches deep. Wow. And then the water would run through the gaps to the second level to where the Indians would, would, would stand since water was very sacred. And then to the third level where the third level was the drain level where they had peppered part of the trail going out, going north into the woods and then a, the big slope going down. They had peppered that with rocks for drainage. That's amazing. This is amazing. And then, and then this year I found a three-tiered waterfall. What this this summer, this past summer, I was going, I said, you know what? I'm gonna open up the outside of the wall of the hole so people can see how thick the wall is. And um and 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 put a put a and open it up so people you know about halfway down so people could see actually the wall as they're standing up on the ground looking down in the hole and as I start to as I start to going to find the outer edge of the rock on this one section on the on the west hand side west side of the hole. All of a sudden, the, it started sloping down. It was flat and then started sloping down. So they had put rocks coming up at a slope on the, on the outside west side of the hole. And so, so it's going down at an angle like that and goes down several inches. Then it comes to a rock floor. And, and, but the rock floor was tilted like this to the north. And then as I opened it more and more and kept on opening it and opening it, then what it what it amounts to is a three-tier waterfall. And it's on the outside of the hole. So they needed, they they worked like heck to keep the water out of the hole as much as possible. But when it rained, you still got water in there. And so to keep the water from coming up and, and, and screwing up the fire in the, in the kiln that was in the middle of the left center of the middle of the hole, they put a waterfall in there to drain the water around it. That's amazing. But during the winter time, during, the, I mean, during the dry, you know, when you didn't have uh, a lot of water and you had the above ground creek, Oh, I mean the 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 underground creek that runs at you know that runs under my pool house and pool deck and out to the riding trail field and splits. Um, that th th there's a special spot we got our pool fence around the pool deck, and then and then we got the main house, and then the pool deck and the sidewalk going out that way, and the yeah. pool house over here. Well, what they my wife was planting tomato plants up against the, 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 the fence on the outside, you know, 7,500 feet or a little bit more to the hole itself. And the ground just stayed saturated in that area and couldn't figure out what they were doing. Well, I finally figured out what they were doing. 
they took the creek they and i've got it i've got it I, I did all this digging and excavating they took the underground creek and created a above ground creek that runs down through the backyard and goes down the slope into a holding area about a about two feet about a foot and a half two feet deep here about 20 feet from the hole to where they could bring water on the because the, the underground creek runs year round okay all the underground creeks run year round and and we've had really we've had a really bad drought here for like two years in a row and those creeks didn't lower at all i mean wow. the under, the, i mean the not the creeks but the spring-fed palms they didn't lower and so so that's a continuous water flow but they needed to get water so in those dry months when it didn't rain too much during the summertime then they could open up they somehow controlled this water ran it down this above ground creek they created down at a certain angle down to the uh down to the uh, uh 20 feet to the east of the hole where the water gathered and then then apparently they used some kind of animal skin bag and would carry that and and instead of walking up and down back and forth between the underground creek and the hole you know back and forth yeah. back and forth they just ran water down there into a holding hole mm. and they picked up the water and they would bring it over to the creek and 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 to where that little small waterfall is and pour it there and they and they got this wall and it's an offset and the wall comes out of the square so when the wa water comes down and they pour it down the creek they still need to keep the water from around the the, the kiln because of the fire pit because of the fire they have in there so what they would do is that they built the wall so it would go back towards the south when you pour the water it goes back to the south to the biggest offset and it's that biggest offset is where I found the majority of the stuff. Wow. Everything. You want to see a little bit of ancient concrete? Well, I, I have to do another podcast at seven o'clock. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Sorry about that. Um, but can we can we can can we do a part two? Because we've been going about an hour and 40 minutes. Can we can I schedule a part two with you for upcoming here soon? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show and we could you could show me more of this stuff because I gotta send a zoom link out for my other show now. But I want to do I want definitely want to have you on again. How can people find you if they want to connect with you on on uh online? Uh well my email address is wsmith51 at aol.com. That's my email address, or they can do a friend's request if they want to with me on Facebook. Is Sandy Nichols, N I C H O L S, um, and Sandy S A N D Y. Some people spell it with an I. And uh, and and you can go to my photos. You can send me Facebook. You can send me a a, a Facebook friends request uh, like you did, Robert. Yeah. And 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 everything, and they can contact me by Facebook and uh, Messenger, and. Um, and I did have my, I, someone had my website and with the new book I'm writing 
and stuff. It's going to include all of this and include this other stuff. And and on the D and on the DNA stuff I've been doing shows that I have two mothers. Wow, how does that even? I mean, I'd love. I gotta get. I go. Oh my god! I wish I didn't have to do another show because this is so. This is so. This is so much to take in. You have. That's probably you have ET genetics, right? Possibly. I don't know. I have no idea, but it's got to be done by in a genetic manipulation of the mitochondrial of the DNA, and like the first test tube baby wasn't done until. 1975 or 1977 that was the first test tube baby yeah uh where they had to do the in vitro thing yeah but i've got my i've got my mother's y dna i know my haplo group i know my subclass and i've been following it and right now i've got myself down back to about twenty-five thousand years ago i'm following my lineage Wow. I, I'm not really interested in who I'm related to per se. And because even though, you know, even though, you know, I'll just give you an idea. I was, I'm related to the third wife of the King of France about 10,084. Wow. That's so cool. And then I'm, I'm related to Davy Crockett through his half sister. No, really? Yeah. Wow, that's and amazing. And it's funny, but my wife and I belong to a golf course called Crockett Springs, which has the house of Davy Crockett's uncle as the clubhouse and part of Crockett's family cemetery next to the parking lot. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to pick this up again because like, I, I if I didn't happen to do another show, I could go longer. But um, yeah, man, but I'll this have them people i'm sure people will want to contact you because this is amazing stuff i'll get with you again we'll schedule another episode here soon is that okay yeah that'd be great and you can and they can go on my website and i mean not website but my facebook page and uh and and they can see a lot of these photos i have on there and uh that i'm talking about about the footprints and stuff like that yeah and and they can go into they can do my name on the internet and find uh, different things. Uh, they can find a thing I did for a speak, Steven Spielberg special and everything. Yeah, you did that abduction special, right? Yeah, the abduction diaries. They can find that, and they can find some writings of mine that I've done. And uh, so I'm writing the new book, and it's going to be much better than the first book because even I think the first book sucks. <laughs> What's your first? What's it's called? Different child. Oh, um, well, yeah. I took it out of print on purpose because it was not a well-written book. It told a story, but it was more like sitting in a classroom listening to somebody read a tech a history book right out of the textbook. Yeah. Yeah, you learn things, but it's boring as heck. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll get together again. I gotta get do my other show, but um, I'll I'll get a hold of you. I'm gonna I'll send you a link when this is up. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Uh, 